Well, welcome to another episode of Going Back, Back, Back. Once again, this is Brian Gay with my co-host, Tom Young. Hey, Brian. We're back with another night, another great episode for all you listeners out there. How you doing tonight, Brian? I'm doing well, Tom. I mean, all things considered, we're here. We're recording again. I mean, I'd say that makes for a good day. It's a beautiful Thursday night here in Exton, Pennsylvania, <laughs> in beautiful Chester County. Uh, we got a lot to discuss tonight, Brian. We got a recap of Week 18 in the NFL, playoff look ahead. We'll try and throw some predictions out there. Uh, of course, we got your This Week in Sports History stories. We'll sure. be talking January 7th to January 13th. A blockbuster trade in the NHL, something that doesn't happen all that often this far out from the trade deadline. And then I think we'll have to touch on those NFL coaching vacancies and teams that have let go of their respective coaches. Yeah, there's just a few this year. I think I think they're up to eight new uh, eight coaching vacancies. And there's some really big names uh, that are no longer with their uh, previous clubs. So curious to see where that's going to take us. We did touch on it last week, so we'll definitely dive into that later on in the episode. But Brian, to start off, for the first time in NFL history, all three Lake Erie teams, the Bills, Browns, and Lions, have made the playoffs in the same season. Shout out to your Buffalo Bills. They sure did. Uh, not only shout out to my Buffalo Bills, they won the freaking division after being 6-6. Six and six, um, Three games behind Miami, went down there, gave them the business. Not a, not a pretty win, but a win is a win, and they've been winning ugly games. Uh, I would not want to have to play the Bills in the playoffs. Uh, they just seem to find ways to win right now. And Josh Allen plays really good football in cold weather. That was the full Josh Allen experience on Sunday night. Oh, dude. Start the game off with a interception. And then second drive, it was another interception, correct? For Buffalo? Uh, yeah. The second interception was kind of just a punt. Yeah, it was, granted, it was like fourth and two or whatever. They could have tried something a lot less uh, aggressive, but... I think the the one throw, the first one, was probably the worst one of the night. He yeah, that was really bad. Didn't really look to see where the defender was or if his receiver really had made the cut yet, and he just like threw it. And next thing you know, it's like a easy pick for the Dolphins it defender. Kind of looked like the and it kind of looked like the ball just came out of his hand wrong. It was a bit of a lame duck and went and almost threw it right at the ground. It seemed, but you know, Eli Apple made a good play. I hate to say that because he's a prick but uh you made a good play on it uh in the end the bills took it uh yes i did see that fact about the three lake erie teams uh there's actually a subreddit out there the uh i think it's lake erie bros it's a combination of bills lions and browns fans uh everyone in there was pretty pumped so shout out to that uh that subreddit but it was a very exciting time i was away for the weekend for our anniversary and my wife was kind enough to let me throw the game on and it was a real nice uh Cherry on top of a yeah, good end great, to the weekend. Huh? Yeah, great uh, cherry on top to a nice weekend. Well, unfortunately, we did not get that snowstorm too bad around here, so hopefully no one had the yellow snow. I suggested not to eat <laughs> last week. We did, though. We were in uh, the mount, uh, the foothills of West Virginia. We had we got a solid six, seven inches of snow. It was kind of fun. Yeah, I wish. I mean, I would like a nice snowstorm around here. I'm a, I'm a big winter guy. That's just me. But I mean, me too. not for everybody. But, I mean, we got, clearly got a lot of rain. Uh, and yes, got we a, sure did. Insane amount on Tuesday. Uh, and yeah, that's been the bane of my existence for the past 24 to 48 hours at this point, but I will not vent on here about the tree that landed on my house. Uh, that's for our other podcast that we have. Yeah. That's for my griping, my personal griping, uh, on, on a, uh, on my on microphone. So, uh, Tom, big week of football. A lot, a lot of stuff happened this week, week 18, some, uh, some teams made the playoffs that, uh, that were on the the fence. Some teams uh, blew their chance. I'm um, looking at Jacksonville specifically. Um, just needed to win and in. Yeah, and you lose to the Tennessee Titans. I guess yeah. nobody should be shocked. You know, Mike Variable was going to have that team up and ready to go. The only shock I think that goes on with that is the fact that he's no longer their head coach. But Yeah, that's strange. I mean, that's one of the big names that was let go of 
by their organization. I don't know what the reason was. I didn't really see too much of that, Brian. I'm not sure if you did, but um, I mean, we can definitely dive into this a little bit. But what I did see was that there's rumors going out now that the owner of the Titans did not like that during his. So Mike Vrabel was inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame last year. She did not like the fact that he referred to pa- the Patriots fans and Patriots Nation. I don't know what they call themselves as we. And it sounds like it might have, you know, kind of ruffled some feathers. Yeah, ruffled the owner's feathers. And uh, I mean, back to back seasons under 500. I think he just kind of gave them the perfect out. I think he's going to be a pretty highly sought after candidate in the market. He he got his guys to go to war for him. I mean, he was like a less, little less enthusiastic Dan Campbell. Um, yeah, definitely a leader of men type. Yeah, for sure. So I don't think you see him gone for long, but I do think that uh, personally, I believe my money is on him going to New England. Uh, but we can touch on all that here in a little bit. Yeah, what, let's see. What else happened here in week 18? The Eagles laid an absolute stinker up in New York. Yeah, they got beat on by Tyrod Taylor, his second career 300-yard game. You start all of your, I don't say all of your starters because De- Devontae Smith was out with a knee injury. I think he would have played if it was the playoffs. DeAndre Swift, same thing. I think they just rested some guys. Fletcher Cox did not play as well. But still, to go down 24 nothing to the New York Giants who are just fighting to try and get like a top-five pick right. is not a good look when you're trying to get your team together and have lost several straight games, especially blowing a lead at home to the Cardinals the week before. Uh, yeah, that was ugly. I think also with the Eagles, what happened was like AJ Brown gets hurt on the first drive. It's kind of like, what are we doing out here playing? Like we know Dallas is going to beat up on Washington. Like we don't really have a chance at the division, Yeah, but that's the Eagles own fault. They very easily could have won the division this year. They sure. should have won the division. I guess you can't really say should because nothing is guaranteed in football. That's why it's any given Sunday. Yeah, but when you start the season, what ten and one? Yeah, uh, it's awful to finish what eleven and six with the seventeen games now. Yeah, I saw a meme going around. It was a screen grab of the Bills Eagles game where the Eagles pulled it out in overtime, and it was like, if I told you that both uh, that one of these teams won the division and it wasn't the Eagles, would you believe me? Because uh, it was ten, the Bills they were ten and one, and the Bills were six and six at the time. They hadn't had their bye week just yet. Yeah, and they finished with the same record. Who would have thought that? They sure did, baby. It's a good day to be a Bills fan. It is not great to be an Eagles fan right now, at all. No, I'm not looking forward to Monday night. Um, speaking of teams that like backed into the playoffs, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they defeated the Panthers nine to nothing to win the NFC South and get a home game against what a, the Eagles. What a joke of a division! NFC South and the AFC South for some reason both suck perennially are just not good divisions you like you shouldn't be able to come out of the division with like a nine and eight record yeah same with what happened with the seahawks however many years ago that they won the division at seven and nine and they <laughs> yeah. ended up beating the saints in the first round of the past that's like the home field advantage comes into a factor yeah. there especially in seattle but i agree it should just be like like you're doing fantasy football there shouldn't be divisions per se it should just be based on seeding like well, yeah, your record i should say because meanwhile you got the Bengals in fourth place in the afc north at nine and eight and they didn't make the playoffs granted obviously they didn't make a wild card slot either but i mean fourth place in a division has the same record as the first place in another like there's clearly something's not right granted the afc north has forever been a tough division yeah shout out to the ravens for winning that one i did not see the ravens coming out and playing the way they did this year no props, not, props no, to them not at all they look pretty good uh, Lamar Jackson should win MVP he's probably been the best quarterback in the league this season hard to argue anything otherwise yeah I mean he's definitely had a pretty good year very good year um and I mean being the quarterback of the best team in the, the conference is definitely gonna get you there especially because you know I don't think personally in my opinion I don't think Brock Purdy should even be in the discussion because 
If you have, in my opinion, if you have two guys from the same team in the discussion, clearly neither one of them is the most valuable player in the league. Right, they cancel each other. Because if you're not even if you're not discussion in baseball, yeah, if you're not even sure that you're the most valuable player on your team, how are you the MVP of the league? There should be a clear cut. You're the MVP. Like in my opinion, and obviously this is Homer, Josh Allen should be in the conversation. He has the most touchdowns in the league for the year. He has the most total yards. Sure, he's up there in interceptions, but no more than uh, Jalen Hurts. No more than uh, like I mean, granted, Sam Howell. I'm not like comparing him, but. The turnover uh, conversation with him is overblown, and he's probably not even in the conversation. But if the Bills didn't have Josh Allen, this is like a five-win team. Yeah, I would say they're definitely not ripping off five straight and beating Miami in Miami this past no. Sunday night. No, not at all. But it is what – I mean, Lamar will most likely win it, and it is well-deserved. Um, but he sucks in the playoffs, so I'll be curious to see what happens. It will be interesting. I mean, that's why we watch and play the game, right? And then the other game of meeting from last week was the Texans and Colts winner won the AFC South. The Houston Texans, they went into Indianapolis and won 23-19. C.J. Stroud looks healthy again. Yeah, uh, Nico good. Collins looked pretty good on the outside for them. Hit him with that 75-yard touchdown this year. to start for the Texans on their first drive. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think D'Amico Ryans has been a very, I, I would say, great coach for them so far. Seems like he's built a very good culture for the team and has really established a great presence. Yeah, the Texans are very much on the up and up. And, you know, I think it's cool. You're seeing finally kind of coming around to seeing some of these teams that have been perennial losers finally really turning it around. I mean, I mean, they were okay during like the JJ Watt days, but like going back to ever since being sure. an expansion franchise, like they've been the a Texans bit of, yeah. have never really been anything. No, they've been a bit of a joke for a lot of it. I mean, yeah, the Deshaun Watts and JJ Watt years were solid. I mean, they, they beat the bills in the playoffs, so I can't say much on that front, but otherwise they've been a pretty poor franchise. Uh, but then, you know, you see the Lions turning around, which I think is great for football, and uh, I think it's just fun to see. The Browns ha- are definitely a contender, and that's with... Uh, Joe Flacco, a quarterback. Yeah, freaking Joe Flacco, quarterback. Uh, I just think, you know, I think it's good to see. It's good for football to have some new new faces in the crowd that are... Granted, the Browns have had some pretty good years the, on and off the past few years. Uh, but still, I mean, just, again, historically just not a good franchise. So it's just... It's, I like to see that and see these new teams in the... Uh, there's four teams going to these playoffs that have never won a Super Bowl. So there's a good there's a possibility that somebody could get their first. I hope it's my boys, but you know, I always like to see a first time winner and whether it's the Bills or not. So I'm guessing we got the Bills as one, Houston mm-hmm. two. Yep. I'm guessing the Browns are three. Yeah. Dolphins four. Uh, Actually no, no Dolphins, Dolphins one with Shula. Uh it was Detroit Lions. Yeah, it was the Lions. Yep. Yeah. So you got all those spot on. Um and it led it led to what's going to be, you know, it does give a little credence to when people joke about the NFL being scripted. Um, it's hard not to think of it as potentially being that way. I mean, look at the way it all worked out. Matt Stafford has to go to Detroit to play the Lions in the playoffs. Uh, there was some yeah, other Jared Goff gets to face his former yeah, team as well. Yes. A lot of people just say Stafford, but yeah, forget about Goff well, as like who the throw into the tr- trade that made the deal work for many reasons. I believe actually had the better year uh, of the two would be Goff. Uh, but yeah, it, what were, there were some other, oh, like Joe Flacco potentially having to go back into Baltimore. Yeah. Depending what happens, um, uh, this weekend, Cleveland, if they beat Houston and Kansas city beats Miami, Cleveland will be going to Baltimore for the divisional series. Okay. Oh, the other one was uh Tyree kill having to go back to Kansas city to play in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. That's uh which sounds like it's going to be horrendous in Kansas city. They're talking about wind chills into the negative 20 or 30 degree range. Um, and I don't know if most of you out there are familiar with just how cold that is. Uh, 
I mean, even whatever you think of cold, just think about 10 times worse. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's not a really good way to describe it. I was fortunate enough to be at the Bills Patriots wildcard game a few years back in Buffalo that was, that dipped well into the negatives. And, uh, my brother and I went, we had, I wore seven layers of clothing on each half of my body, as well as multiple layers of socks, insulated boots. And by about the third quarter, my feet were cold. And it was like, it was like, it was arguably the coldest I've ever been, um, before I had all the layers on. And even at that point it was, it did not, it did not feel fully secure and warm. doesn't sound fun either. Like at oh. least those guys are playing in the game and can like keep their blood flowing and trying to stay warm. I'm sure they have heaters down there, but like when you're standing out there, like third and seven and it's been like a couple of brutal downs, like long drive or something. Yeah, I don't know, maybe that's why I don't play football. Well, fortunately, but. at least for the the game I was at, that was not the case because uh, the Bills had seven drives and seven touchdowns, and yeah, I believe that down. marked the end of the Bill Belichick dynasty in New England, which obviously came to an end today. Played an absolute butt whooping on the Patriots that night. Yeah, it was forty nine to something, and uh, let me tell you, it was it was like because for years, if you know, for those of you that don't pay attention to the Bills the way that Bills fans do, uh, the Patriots whooped on the Bills to a different level, I think, than anyone has done to any one team in the NFL. I think there was a couple times the Patriots put up, like, 50 points against the Bills, right? I don't think it was even so much a points thing. It was just the fact that Tom Brady was, like... Always beat them. 31-3 and three in his career against Buffalo, and at one point, he was, like, the third or fourth most winning quarterback to play at, like, in Bills Stadium. Um, and he's not even the Bills quarterback. Yeah, so... I mean, granted, that says two things. One, the Bills do not have a history of great quarterbacks. I mean, Jim Kelly, Jim Ferguson, Josh Allen are really the big ones, but also like just shows how dominant Brady was. So to get to go in there and it was a nationally televised game and the bills just molly them. I mean, it was a really like, it almost felt like they won the super bowl. Obviously they did not, but man, that was fun. But talking playoffs. Yeah, let's get into some playoffs. Uh, so first game, Brian will be the Cleveland Browns traveling down to Houston and facing those Texans. That'll kick us off four thirty Saturday afternoon. Sure. will. what do you like there, Brian? see. I, I want to see the Texans win. I like what they're doing down there. I think CJ Stroud seems really likable. The team they're putting together there is a lot of fun. There's a couple guys that I'm a big fan of that um, Jerry Hughes is a Houston Texan. He was a Buffalo Bill for about 12 years. Um, so I would love to see him uh, win a couple of games with them. And honestly, just don't like the Browns. Um, they have an, an awesome defense. Um, just really solid defensive unit. but uh, just, a great offensive line too, and they run the ball pretty well. Yeah, I just don't like them. Uh, there's statistically, they're probably the better team, but I, you know, I'm going with the the Houston Texans here. I think it'll be a close one. I mean, you'll probably get and they're play. Where is the the game is in in Houston? In Houston, since they won the division, they get the home game. That does four seed. That does make sense because there is conversations about the um, Bill Steelers game being moved to Cleveland due yes. to uh, severe lake wet lake effect snow. I saw that a little bit ago, which would be a real shame. Um, takes away that uh, Bills home field advantage. I don't think it'll make too much of a difference for the Bills, Brian. Probably but not, but we'll see. Either way, you want that home game if you're the Bills. Um, the but, yeah, going down it. to Houston, I think with them being at home and with the way they look this year, I think they can do it. I think you'll see it be like a probably a field goal game. That's what the line says. Browns are Is currently two-point favorites okay. coming down to Houston. All right, well, we're taking the dogs then and in, uh, in the Texans. And at least for me, what, do you, what's, what are your thoughts? Well, do you know that Joe Flacco is 5-0 and on the road as a quarterback in the playoffs? I did not. Straight up and against the spread. Wow. No, I don't. Doesn't matter to me though. So I don't think it's going to change your mind. But I'm going to ride with the Browns. I think That's they fine. have the better team, veteran team. Yep. I, I agree though. I think it would be fun to watch the Texans win and 
advanced just because of the young CJ Stroud factor and watching someone kind of like grow before your eyes as a player developing in the league. Yeah. But I just think with what the Browns are doing right now, it seems like they're kind of clicking and firing on all cylinders. I think it's going to be tough for the Texans to to beat the Browns. I, ultimately, I think the Browns will win the game. I mean, I I can see why. I think the Browns are the more experienced team. I mean, having a quarterback who has won a Super Bowl and has been in the playoffs a number of times definitely works in your favor. He's not afraid to go out and do what he needs to do. You know, does it does it hold up? Does it translate now as a 38-year-old guy that was sitting on the couch, uh, you know, a couple months ago? Who knows? But, you know, I think it, that's a game I think is, for me, it was a coin flip. It could go either way. I would like to see the Texans win, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns do. So, Yeah, that's where I'm at with it, too. I mean, the line speaks to itself, the two-point line. It's not like we got the Buffalo nine-and-a-half-point favorites over the Steelers. Nine-and-a-half, no. I saw ten at one point, but, I mean, it's all the same, and I don't really pay attention to the lines. Yeah, it's just you're not shocked if Cleveland or Houston wins. You would certainly be shocked if Pittsburgh upsets Buffalo. Yeah. is my point. I would very much be shocked if Pittsburgh upset Buffalo. And, you know, at this point we're talking about, let's just go into that matchup. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward that I assume the – I think the Bills are going to win. I'm not going to assume it because they play down to the level of their opponent. Um, But Watch out for Mason Rudolph. Oh, yeah, so scary. Uh, TJ Wattless, Pittsburgh Steelers defense doesn't work. Like, Yeah, they're not good. Honestly, he's that much of a game changer that if he was out there – I don't love it because the Steelers are very good under Mike Tomlin at ugly grinded out games. And with the uh, predicted weather coming in, that sounds like it might be exactly what it is. And you get Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, Jalen Warren out the backfield for the Steelers could potentially cause some issues, you know, just kind of keep the ball away from Josh Allen, run the ball, convert those like third and three, third and fours, keep drives going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think that happens either way. I think end of the day, the bills are too talented and the much better team. And and the Bills have made a point of winning ugly games um, throughout the year. They haven't lost a game by more than six points on the season, um, which I think says a lot about they you know their tenacity and the fact that they don't get blown out. And the thing is with the Bills is they beat themselves. So if they come out and play good, clean football, they're winning the game because um, that's exactly how it's been all year. So easy one in my book, you know. I I don't I'm not worried about Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. There's a reason he's been a backup his whole career. Right, and um, going in and out with the Browns. He's had a few good games. I think there really isn't. There hadn't been a lot of tape on him out there. And I think it worked in, worked to his his advantage. He knows that offense really well because he's been there studying it for years. Um, but I, you know, I think that now there is tape, and Sean McDermott has done a really, really good job with his Bills defense. Um, they do not give up a lot of points. Um, I mean, the most points they gave up was that Eagles game, and there hasn't really been much close since. That game also went to overtime, so that's an sure did. That was factor. a heck of a game. All right, on to the next one. Who yeah, do we got? Just props to Mike Tomlin, though. He's been oh, a coach yeah. since 2007, has yet to have a losing season as yeah, the coach you, of the Steelers. You can't, you can't disrespect the guy. He's, he's a class. He's a true. I mean, I think he's a he's a Hall of Fame head coach at this point. He'll get there one day. Um, and he, no matter who he's got and who's on the field, he always puts out a team that's ready to compete. That's thing. He'll definitely have the Steelers ready to go. Yeah, Sunday. It's for not sure. going to be a matter of if they put in the effort to try and win the game but being down tj watt and like you said mason rudolph they haven't had an actual quarterback really all year long i mean kenny pickett i don't think he's going to be in the league much longer maybe six rounds as a backup yeah potentially actually at, fun at best but fun fact about this game uh mike tallman and sean mcdermott were friends and teammates in college at william and mary 
Oh, there you go. So kind of fun, small little school. And uh, I should have let you lead off the show tonight with a fun fact. That's all right. Throw them in when we when we got them. <laughs> uh, small little school in in Virginia uh, managed to produce two NFL head coaches. That's kind of a oh, they're doing something right down there. Something. I I'm pretty sure they're D, they're not even. I'm pretty sure they're D three. Sounds right. right. Beats me. That brings us, I guess, to the other AFC game that will be taking place on Sunday night between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get into the game, Brian, sure, I need to let out, let out a uh, little bit of a grievance with this one. Sure, I don't know if you know where I'm going, Brian, but the game is being hosted only on Peacock. You cannot watch it on cable TV. Oh, this is this is the Peacock this game. This is the Peacock game. This is the one that really intrigues me, man. Like, of course. So, Brian, oh. if you want to watch the game, you got to pay for Peacock Premium. Actually, I don't. My mom gave me her password. Hi, mom. Uh, you may be you may listen to this when, when it's out, um, but she let me log in because the Bills were on Peacock against the Chargers not too long ago. That's right. So it she is, it is Peacock that. Premium, right? You can't just because I have a regular Peacock account, but I don't pay for it. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's premium. Yeah, it probably is. I you know that's a whole grievance and gripe I can take on with everybody. With with all the leagues now is this BS about having to have multiple streaming services. Uh, in order to watch the, watch every game of the season, but it's it just, is the NFL, and they know people will pay for it, so they do it. Yeah, that's what bothers I know. me. I know that's the thing is because not everyone thinks the way you and I do, Tom, and they just blindly go ahead and do it. Um, so unfortunately, I do not think I will be watching this game Sunday, Saturday night. It sucks because this is the one that I personally like. I'm most interested in because I think both teams are overrated. I have not been impressed with the Chiefs this year. The Dolphins have another fun fact i saw the dolphins have less wins against uh 500 or better teams than the patriots did the patriots at four and 13 had two wins against teams that had a better than 500 record uh one was the bills and the other was i want to say i just saw this fact as i was while i was in here but one's one was the bills and then the dolphins only have one win against a team with a 500 or better record they also Tua also has like a horrendous record in games under fifty degrees. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for him. Yeah, especially when they're projecting wind chills in the negative ten to twenty or thirty range, whatever it might be. They beat another playoff team. Which one was it? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's less impressive, but still, like, I mean, the fact that it just kind of shows you, in my opinion. I mean, I've watched the way that the Dolphins kind of have folded against good good competition. I've seen enough of the page of the Chiefs to realize that I don't think that they don't look that good. I mean, that's what happens when you have no one to throw the ball to besides Travis Kelsey, and I think he's too involved with Taylor Swift to be fully focused on the season. Yeah, dude, he's been very like just not fully there. It seems, and he's also getting older. And I think it's like it's been about time for him to. He's what like, thirty three, thirty four, somewhere in there. Yeah, he's uh, 1989, his birthday, so he just turned so 34 back 35 this year. I did see a report today. I believe he said he is coming back for next year. Um, I think it was just a matter of time, though, before like you start to like fall down the cliff and like you can't keep up that type of production forever. No, especially... Father time always wins. Especially at a position like tight end where it is very physical because you do have that blocking element. Um, and then, you know, but he relied a lot on quickness and speed that you don't often see in the tight end spot. And obviously, as you get older, that does disappear a bit. Um, I don't know. I also just don't like them. Like another team that I just don't like. Patrick Mahomes has a really punchable face. Andy Reid. I do His like Andy Reid. He has Kermit the Frog voice. Uh, and the whole, I don't know, man. There's something about him that I just am, I don't like him. I don't mind Travis Kelsey. I don't mind Andy Reid. But just I don't like the Chiefs. I don't like Mahomes. 
Uh, I don't. I, I fully respect what he's done for them and the quarterback that he is. Because he's a very good quarterback. But I just, I don't know. He's like the new Tom Brady for me and the new new Patriots. I just don't like him. But I also don't like the Dolphins. This is a real lose-lose situation here. Yeah, I guess if I am <laughs> you, Brian, I think I'd be leaning towards Miami because, like, do you really want to face Kansas City in the playoffs again? Sure, because they're coming to Buffalo if that's the case. That's true, instead of having to travel to Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, dude, but- I'm tired of the Bills having to go to Kansas City every year. They beat them at home in the regular season each of the past three years. Then the, then the Chiefs get them in the playoffs, and it's really irritating, but... I would rather, I guess, but either of them would have to come to Buffalo since we're the number two seed. The only team that doesn't have to travel to us Well, not is necessarily Baltimore. because if Miami does win, um, they would be going well, to Baltimore. Yes, it wouldn't be, yeah. It'd be either way, the Bills are home until they potentially play the Ravens. Um, so, I don't know. I, yeah, I would be fine with, yeah, I guess you would want the, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Probably would want to see the Dolphins win that one and, yeah, ultimately, I think you are much better off facing Tua in the playoffs compared to Patrick Mahomes. I think there's a there's levels to it. Mahomes is clearly a much better quarterback. Oh yeah, much Andy Reid's a better coach. Yes, McDaniel down there with the Dolphins is innovative and can come up with a lot of good plays and it's gimmicky, people going, it's gadget, it's gadget stuff. I don't think that's going to work in cold weather in the playoffs. And they also just seem to be battling a lot of injuries. Are the Dolphins? Oh, they're incredibly beat up right now. Like they've lost both their top two pass rushers. Jalen Waddle's been limited in practice this week. Raheem Mozart, same uh, thing. Yeah, Van, so it's a, Van Ginkle went down hurt. Javon Holland is hurt. Jerome Baker, their uh, linebacker, has a broken wrist or something. Yeah, just not good. Yeah, they definitely have been decimated. And like, I hate to see it. Well, you don't hate. I mean, you. Hate, you, hate you don't to want to see, see people it, get hurt. But at the same time, like it happens to every team. Like we're all missing some of our best players. Things happen. So either way, who we didn't even. Who do you think? Who are you taking to win that game? So Chiefs are four and a half point favorites. I think that's probably about right. I would say maybe closer to three, but I still think the Chiefs will win. I don't think Patrick Mahomes will lose at home to Tua and uh, beat up Miami Dolphins. No, I agree with Tua's track record in cold weather and having to go into Arrowhead. I, I'm with you. I think the Chiefs will take it and uh, just, you know, put an end to uh, the misery that Dolphins fans found themselves in. Uh, the Miami Dolphins subreddit has been a real like treasure trove of just meltdowns for the past week, and I take a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I take a lot of pleasure in reading it. I mean, I did pick the Dolphins to win the division, so I was a little disappointed, honestly, that they. More or less falter oh, and collapse down yeah. down the stretch. Guess who got that one right? Your boy. Go Bills. Yeah, I mean, the Bills did. They sneak I mean, snuck out a division win. It's not exactly a... It's, it's their fourth straight title division title. It's not exactly like I took the... Uh, I kind of took the low-hanging fruit with that one. Yeah, it's not like you came out here and said the Patriots were going to win the division. And no, but coming to the we're season... We're trying to be smart. Coming to the season, I was, I was with you in that I kind of expected the Dolphins may be able to do it, but yeah. I'm not going to pick anybody but the Bills. Right, unless they're horrendous. Yeah, unless you got uh, <laughs> unless you take me back to the twenty, uh, you know, what is it, two thousand? Yeah, let's uh, get EJ Manuel under center again, huh? <laughs> bro. If I could list off the, just the awful list of quarterbacks I had, I would. But let's move on to the NFC. I can talk about the Bills all day. I'll just do a little solo rant about the Bills for an hour and forty minutes, <laughs> whatever the playoffs end for them. Featuring next week's episode, Brian talking to himself about the Bills. Yeah, T- tune into the inner workings of my brain. All that'll right. be a best best that'll probably get the most downloads we've had all time <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna guess that probably sets on the bottom of the list <laughs> so uh, we'll come out to uh sunday afternoon we got the dallas cowboys the two seed in the nfc hosting the seven seed the green bay packers i'm pack attack all the way i just don't like the cowboys does anybody like dallas 
You know. If you're listening, you can just stop because we don't like Dallas here. If I don't, I'm not sure I really know too many Dallas fans, and if I do, they're pretty closeted. They hide it. Yeah, they hide it well then because I don't know any. I so would. the Cowboys, they are seven point favorites at home. They are a much better team at home. They average like what thirty five points a game. Yeah, or they're something. like stupid good at home, and then all on the road and not get on the road. Totally different team for some reason. I don't, Tough to explain. It's because they're not playing in their little dome, and it is obviously easier to play in front of your fans. And I can't do the here we go instead oh, of the God. blue forty two or whatever the <laughs> typical <laughs> yeah. typical NFL cadence is. Yeah. Oh God. Um. I mean, obviously, another reason to dislike the Cowboys. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. Obviously, the Cowboys are the better team, and I do think that I do think that they realistically probably do win this one. But I do love it under. Like I said, love an underdog. And um, there's something about this Packers team that I like. Something about Jordan Love looks like he could be a really legitimate quarterback for them and they have a lot of good weapons on offense too and they that's without christian watson playing the past few weeks with a hamstring injury yeah they sure do so i don't you know i don't think it's going to be oh this is there's another one of the storylines uh mike mccarthy having to face the packers in the playoffs yeah there you go uh so the script uh the nfl script is coming to fruition they did a great job preseason let me tell you <laughs> yeah those those nfl writers great job um but i you know i think that going in and beating dallas at home is not an easy feat i do think dallas takes it but i do want to see the Packers do it. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Reed and, and Tavion Wicks, they've been very good on the outside for... I rode Jaden uh, Reed to multiple playoff appearances in fantasy football. I had no idea who the guy was, to be honest, and then he just had some a uh, few really good weeks. He's just been lighting it up and has become Jordan Love's number one target. And Christian Watson, I think, got in a limited practice today with that hamstring injury. He's definitely that, like, boomer bust type, like, take the top off the defense receiver. Sure is. So if he could go, that would be a nice addition to the offense for the Packers. Now, ultimately, I think the Cowboys will win, but with that seven-point spread, I think the Packers will keep it close and lose like a 28-24 type style game and cover the cover the points there. Yeah, you know, I think realistically you're right, but, you know, I think we're all we, we're all cheeseheads. Yeah, I'll be a cheesehead this week. With that game, I'll slap, slap a slice of American cheese on my head and we're rooting for the Packers. Swiss, whatever, I'm not cheddar. <laughs> I think the Packers might be offended if I associated them with American cheese. Yeah, I don't think uh, they would like that too much. But what are they, ch- cheddar heads? Something like I'm that. I'm confused by it though because uh, you know, let's go on a little side, uh, a little little tangent here. But the uh, the Packer, you see the cheese heads that their fans wear. Yeah, looks like Swiss cheese, but it's too yellow to be Swiss. So I'm confused. They're confused. We're all confused. I I don't know. I'm just gonna crack this beer and enjoy it. Hey, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, other playoff matchup. Uh, we'll talk about the Eagles going down to uh, to Tampa Bay. Yeah, we can touch on that one next. I, I feel like Four this five is matchup. I feel like this has been. A frequent playoff matchup the past few years has hasn't it been like I think I might have read somewhere it's that's not the past three years but it's three of the past playoff appearances have all started with Bucks Eagles. So I don't remember last year who the Eagles played. Me neither. But I know two years ago when Jalen Hurts his second like his first year as quarterback second year in the league. The Eagles went, I think, nine and seven, and were like the seven seed, maybe, and got rocked. And went down and faced Tampa Bay and got smoked like thirty-three to yeah. ten or something. It was just an absolute blowout, and was not a close game at all. I mean, it makes you feel better, I think, when you when you think to, about the fact that the Buccaneers did go on to win the Super Bowl that year. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's worse things. Like, I always struggle with that. It's like if my team loses to another team, like, do I then pull for that team, like hoping, like, hey, like if we beat that team, that could have been us, or are you just like, 
you're ticked off about it. You don't want to now root for that team because they beat your team. I think it depends on who it is. Like, if it was, for me, if it was, like, the Dolphins beat us or somebody in, like, Yeah, if no, it was the Cowboys I'd, beat the Eagles, yeah, there's no chance I'm going to sit <laughs> yeah. there and hope the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but if it's, like, the, you know, say it's, like, the Eagles lose to the Lions or something at some point, I'm definitely rooting for the Lions at that point. I'm rooting for the Lions as it is, to be honest. Um, I think they're, uh, they're a fun unit, but I, uh... When it comes to the Eagles Bucks, I'm not like the Bucks don't really scare me, but the Eagles just, no, they just beat the very dysfunctional. They just beat the Panthers nine nothing. Like yeah, the how can I have faith in that? And Baker Mayfield didn't practice today either with ankle and rib injuries. The horrendous Panthers. You only beat them nine nothing in a game where you knew you needed to win to win the division, and you can only put up nine points against the worst team in football Yikes. and the worst team by far too. Like yeah, that's a sad franchise right now. Because it's, I think from a record standpoint, it was it's the Panthers, and then I believe it would be the Patriots next, at four and thirteen or whatever. I think the Patriots have the third pick this year. Might be the Commanders. Oh, the Commanders did have a very poor end of their a very poor season in general. Um, I don't I don't know who who's in what position in the league. Let me see. Let's find the standings. Yeah. Yeah, you you go down there to try to win the division, and you really you laid an egg, but you just happened to not lay the bigger egg of the two. You got the chicken egg; they laid the ostrich egg, and uh, you snuck in on the back of a pretty ugly win. All right, so Carolina did have the worst record, but they have they do not own their first overall pick this year. That belongs to the Chicago Bears. Sure does. Washington has a second pick. New England three. Arizona four. Chargers five. Giants six, Titans seven, Falcons eight for like the third year in a row, which is just weird. The Falcons at eight, yeah, because yeah. they they picked Bijan last year. Yeah, might be second year in a row, and they took Drake London, Kyle Pitts, all first round picks. Yeah, all top ten, top they were all top eight. I believe Pitts was like a fourth overall pick. I believe. Yeah, they skipped out on Jamar Chase. Yeah, for a guy that Arthur Smith wasn't using, and is why part of the reason he rightfully saw the door. So long, Arthur. Johnu Smith had the same number of targets this year as Kyle Pitts, and that's just a travesty. Well, I'm all in on the Bijan Robinson train and fantasy is a keeper of mine, so yeah, whoever dude. they bring in, I'm hoping it's like an Eric Bieniemy type and just really get him the ball. Eagles the fans as a whole were very in on Bijan from the draft. Bijan or bust. Yeah, that was I mean, we were both listeners of WIP ninety four one WIP around here and it was every other caller was salivating Give over Bijan. Yeah, salivating over Bijan. Um I mean, it would have been interesting to see him in this offense for sure. But yeah. The RPO probably would have, I don't know if it would have been better or not. I mean, I'm sure it would. DeAndre Swift's no schlub by any means. But sure. Um, who knows? But back to the Eagles playoff game. Who do you think takes this one? So I'm honestly shocked that the Eagles are somehow three-point favorites. It opened at two and a half. Three-point favorites on the road. It tells, that, that kind of line tells you it's like Eagles and more money's been coming in on the Eagles. So it's pointing to an Eagles win, like based if you're following the lines here. I just don't know how I can have faith in the Philadelphia Eagles right now. They're 1-5 in the last six games. Their only win coming against the New York Giants. They lose at home to the Cardinals. They lose on the road in New York. Like It's just been an awful last six-week stretch. I can understand losing to the Niners and losing to the Cowboys on the road. That's fine. No one's going to fault them for losing those games. No, the not way at they, all. It's the way they lost the games and the way the team has like acted. and like. How can I root for this team right now like they don't inspire any confidence in myself they've been saying like all year long like oh we haven't been playing to the standard 
and they were just like getting by. But it's like, well, what if that is a standard? Like you're just not a good team. Yeah, you've had four months to raise your standard, and it, it's actually going the opposite direction. I'm so sick of hearing like we're not playing up to the standard. We get one percent better every day. No, you're not, Jalen. <laughs> Jalen is not. He is. I mean, you could argue that Jalen Hurts has regressed this year. He has. I don't think I'm you say argue. Fif- I think it's 15 interceptions. Like he clearly does not look as explosive when he's running the ball either. Yeah, 20 out in the open field. I believe I saw you had 23 touchdowns. Uh, pat, t- 23 touchdown passes and 15 interceptions. That is not a good ratio. No, Everybody wants to hit on Dak Prescott and all the interceptions he threw. Yeah, he threw a lot last year, but this year he stayed under 10 through nine interceptions. Yeah, and that offense looks great. I mean, CD Lamb's a clear number one target down there. But it's not like Jalen is lacking targets either. He's got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift. Like, what more do you need from an offense? Your line has been good, but they don't pick up the blitz. It's like, and they're just running the same exact plays all the time. Like, it's bad when Christian McCaffrey's sitting there on the Manning cast on a Monday night game, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I know a play they're going to run next, and it's like calling out the play. And got it right. And would get it right. And if that's a running back on a team, what do you think the other defensive coaches know who know – and study the Eagles offense much more than Christian McCaffrey does. I found it very interesting, actually. Um, Dallas Goddard was on the Midday Show on WIP the other day. And he made a comment about the QB. Uh, Hurts not – he didn't – I mean, didn't specifically say Jalen Hurts, but he said when your QB's not picking up the blitz. I mean, it's it's telling when, you're, when your targets is call, kind of calling you out on air. Um, yeah, it, was, it was a longer – it was a longer spiel, but like – um, it sounds like there's maybe some of the deficiencies that caused Jalen Hurts to fall. I mean, he didn't fall. He was a second-round pick, but like to not be a first-rounder, there's a reason that he was available in the second. And there's a reason why Tua Tuglaviola replaces you when you're the quarterback at Alabama in the national championship game. we got to work on that pronunciation, though. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Like, I'm not, <laughs> that's why you just stick with Tua and just move on. Don't try and mess up his last name and sound We're on a sports podcast, good. Tom. Get it. Ta- no, I'm about to say it wrong. Tagovailoa? Something like that. It's a lot of letters. Yeah, I'm just going to say Tua, move on. And there's a reason <laughs> why you get benched for Tua in college, and then you have to transfer to Oklahoma, and then you're a second-round pick. Like, it is what it is. Like, the upside is there, but I think the NFL figured him out. Like, he yeah. has to make adjustments, and that's what great quarterbacks do, and clearly he has not made those adjustments back to throw that counterpunch. And it's he's frustrating in that he, to me, he... I don't dislike him. I just, he doesn't come on. He just kind of comes off as like robotic a bit. Like his interviews are all the same, win or lose. Yeah, there's no like no change emo- in his voice, no emotion. Kind of similar to what I what I said about when we were talking about Aaron Nola a bit um, back when we were talking Phillies and when they re signed him, um, is that he just kind of never seems to show any emotion beyond just stoic. And I appreciate that to some point extent, but like I want to see you get fired up. Yeah, when you're on the field, like, act stoic so you don't let your emotions get too high or too low. But, like, to your point, Brian, with Nola, he did, like, tip his cap to the fans walking off during his postseason. Sure. Shows, like, showed some emotion. Like, that's what we want to see. Like, that's what we love. I, it was a, There was something very, like, poetic about that moment with him because he doesn't show that otherwise. Um, and a lot of people read into that thinking, like, he's not yeah, going to be back in Philly. He's gone, yeah. But, but thankfully, he is back on the Phillies rotation. Sure is, because they haven't they aren't signed anyone else. But we're not here to talk about football. I mean, <laughs> baseball. pitchers and catchers is, like, five weeks away. Who's sure counting? is. So we'll be uh, we'll be talking baseball soon enough again. Uh, but, Brian, official prediction, what do you got? Bucks, Eagles. I think it's going to be the Bucks. I think the Eagles have what it takes to do it, but they're just not, they're not clicking at all right now. Uh, they look demoralized. They, look dem- they just don't look motivated. It's the same reason that I kind of fell out of touch with watching the Bills in the middle of the season, because they just looked demoralized and beaten down and just didn't look like they cared. And it makes it really difficult to sit and watch. I think the 
I think the Bucks are going to come in fired up, um, playing at home, and you know I think that I think the Bucks will end up taking it. To be honest, it's hard to disagree. When I first saw the line, like two and a half, I'm like, ah, oh, nice. Get to bet the Bucks money line, get plus money on it. But then it's like you think about it, it's like, well, they did play earlier this year, week three. My heart wants to tell me Bucks, being an Eagles fan, because of like how I feel about the Eagles right now. I'm just like totally disappointed. But they absolutely like destroyed them. Yeah, it was three. pretty it was sure five to eleven. Their biggest win of the season because they won a lot of ugly games, but I believe this might have been their biggest win. And, and there was a drive in like the fourth quarter. That I think there was like an eight or nine minute drive. Oh, it was that. I do remember that. It was an absolute just like rip your heart out, like game over. Oh, yeah, and I we're watched, just gonna run it down your throat. Yeah, I watched that game with some friends, and yeah, I remember there being some very prolonged Eagles drives, and that's, that's how you win ball games. Keep I mean, it. Swift had sixteen carries for one hundred thirty yards. Gainwell had fourteen carries for forty three yards. So they ran the ball pretty much at will. Swift averaged 8.1 yards per carry. Um, Jalen Hurts had one touchdown, but two interceptions. I think one of those was like a deflection off Goddard's hands, if I remember. But still, it's like you beat them so handedly in the regular season. But that was week three. We're now in the playoffs. That week three win does not matter. I say, yeah, that doesn't at all at this point because it looks like a very different team than they, they did in week three. And the Eagles, like you said, they are more talented. They have the better team. I don't know if I want to say who the better coach is. Sirianni is a good coach. I think Todd Bowles is a good coach as well. At least he'll scheme up a very good defense. Yeah, good at diff- good at different things. Um, I'll be curious to see what happens with all this though. If the Eagles don't win, do you think Sirianni's back next year? <sighs> I think if they lose a close game, Sirianni will be back. If they go out and lose to Tampa Bay, like. If it's like 24 nothing at halftime like it was this past week against the Giants. <laughs> He's getting fired at halftime. He might get fired at halftime and be told to just, hey, just stay down here in Tampa. Hang out with Sean Desai. And- there are worse places to be left behind and t- being <laughs> left in Tampa. It's not like you're going up to Buffalo and being told to stick behind in the, you know, two foot of snow storm that's sure, coming this sure. following week. But Way to save yourself with the snow comment. Yeah, trying. <laughs> um, with that said, I do think that the Eagles will still win the game somehow, some way. They'll That's pull fair. it out. Like they've won a lot of ugly games this year. It's gonna be like a seventeen thirteen type win. Like I don't think they're gonna blow this team out by any means, or maybe it's like a twenty eight twenty seven win. Who knows? But I think at the end of the day, the Eagles will win. Going but, into Baker's house though. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, Jalen also has like the injury from last week with the middle finger, but Baker's also dealing with ankle and rib injury. So I mean, that extra week of football was totally worth it. Yeah, sure was. Oh, God, so stupid. Well, Brian, we got one last game here. We sure do. Lions. Uh, and the Rams. Rams in Detroit. That'll be the Sunday night game. Fun story with Stafford back in Detroit. Golf against the Rams. Lions in the playoffs for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah, it's um, been a few years since Stafford led them to a to a playoff appearance. Yeah, you know, I think that this one, in my I I, I haven't seen enough of the Rams this year to know much at all about them, but I really think that the Lions are going to just come out here and stick it to them. Um, you know, in my in my opinion is that Dan Campbell is going to have that team raring to go. They're going to have a stadium full of that blue, that powder blue. I don't even know what they call it. It's some Motor City blue. I don't know what they call it. But you're going to see that stadium full of Detroit fans who are rabid, uh, really committed to fan base. I think you see, in my opinion, I think the Lions are going to take it to them. Mm, we're, we're differing on this one. That's fair. I like the Rams. Um, Good. It leads to a leads to a fun conversation. So clearly, they have the pedigree 
with Matthew Stafford. Sure. Cooper Cup. Uh, Sean McVay is a great coach. Great offensive mind. Aaron Donald in the middle doesn't hurt. Uh, Puka Nkua has had a great rookie season. Set the NFL record for most receptions and, I believe, yards as well as a rookie wide receiver this year. Um, Kyron Williams is an absolute, seems like an absolute stud there in the backfield for them. All right. So it's tough for me to to say. Um, Detroit actually suffered some injuries last week, too, playing their starters for probably longer than they should have. Oh, yeah, Laporta's uh, out. Sam Laporta tore his ACL, so he's going to be done for this year and I'm sure sometime into next year as well. Amon Ross St. Brown got banged up a little bit. Um, they are healthy with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, though. Goff, I think that the Rams, knowing Goff, they can expose his weaknesses. Granted, it goes both ways. Stafford being in L.A., Detroit can try and do the same thing. But See, I, I do think, think they will be able to game plan around that. I think Goff, though, has evolved and improved as a quarterback since he left L.A. Like He was never really all that impressive uh, as a Ram. But I think he just, this offense suits him, and he's definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder. He kind of alluded to it in a press conference the other, or in, a, in his press time the other day that the trade from LA is kind of always going to, has always stayed with him. I think for him, it can be a cleansing of his, uh, his demons on that front. And he, that's what I think that's another reason I think that they're going to take it to him. But I think it'll be a good game. I'm not saying that the Lions are going to come in and blow out the Rams, but I think they win it at home and, to me, this is the most exciting game of the weekend. I think this will be the best game, too. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of really fun football. I think that there is... Um, I know you personally, you are definitely most excited for the Bills and Steelers, but as far as like game goes, Buffalo should beat Pittsburgh handedly. They should. So I think this will be the most like the closest game and probably the most exciting game with a lot of essentially very high scoring, a lot of back and forth. So I think that's just where I'm leaning out. I'm with the you. Rams. I'm excited for 4:15 on Sunday when the Bills game is wrapping up and the you're moving on to all. the divisional round. Yeah. So I mean, we'll talk. We'll we'll be back next week to talk more about that for sure. Uh, we've talked a lot of playoff football. We've gotten a long way into this episode already. So I think it is a good time to take a quick break. Hear a word from our sponsor. We'll get back to you with some sports stories. Uh, maybe dive into this coaching carousel we're running into. So Yeah, and that blockbuster trade in the NHL. There is that NHL trade that we definitely got to discuss. Ugh, can't um, wait. We'll hit that when we come back and then get into some sports stories. So stick around, use the bathroom, pause, get some food, whatever you got to do. And we'll be back get your you. popcorn ready. Yeah, get your popcorn ready because Tom has to vent. We'll be right back. This episode of Going Back, Back, Back is brought to you by Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. For all of your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing needs, call the professionals today at 484-849-1015. Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, the one-stop call for your business and or home. Call them again at 484-849-1015. We're back, and we are talking hockey now. A little punk by the name of Cutter Gauthier. I don't even care to pronounce his name right because Cutter screw that Gauthier. Guy. Yeah, Gauthier. Uh, go away to Anaheim. Tom, fill us in. What happened with Cutter? Um, this, you know, I, I know you're pretty tied in with the Flyers, um, and it's very much involving your guys. Fill, yeah, very. Fill me in. Very disappointing because last week I was talking up about how the Flyers they have a very solid outlook approaching. You know, have played above expectations this season. Are currently sitting in a playoff spot. I'm pretty sure you may have actually mentioned him as part, of, as part of their like promising core for the future. I did because he's like the probably outside of uh, Mitchkov, the Russian prospect they drafted this past off season, uh, was going to be their second best player and or second best prospect, I should say. You never know what's going to happen once a player reaches the the National Hockey League. But what happened was 
Cutter Gauthier was traded Monday night to the Anaheim Ducks for defenseman Jamie Drysdale and a second-round pick in the 2025 NHL draft. Also, real quick, what a stupid name, Cutter. Yeah, I don't know. Stupid. All right, but I digress. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say Cutter is a great name. It is what it is. That's that's on you, Cutter. Um, so Cutter Gauthier, for whatever reason, he just like fell out of the Flyers organization. He did not want to be a part of it anymore. He has not given a reason. So people try to compare it to the Eric Lindros saga of the early 90s. Eric Lindros told the Quebec Nordiques to not draft him. He would not play for them, and they still went ahead and did it. So we then set out a full season and then ended up being traded um, to the Flyers and the Rangers at, like, the same time, but the Flyers submitted the paperwork first, so, and, like, arbitrator got involved, and that's what was determined, so he got sent to the Flyers. Back to the cutter Gauthier story. He tells the Flyers that he can't wait to be a Flyer, like, during yeah, the draft process. Yeah, that's what I had heard. After being drafted by the Flyers, I can't wait to be a Flyer, like, it's going to be great, like, really excited to be here. Somewhere along the lines, like, things shifted. He changes his mind, says he doesn't want to be a Flyer anymore, and this dates back to last season um and he said like he pretty much just at this point shuts off all communication with the team through his agent doesn't talk to anyone won't respond to any visits from player development people like john leclerc and patrick sharp went up to a game at boston college this year to like try and like visit and talk to him after a game um he sent out his assistant coach out of locker room and told him he wouldn't talk to them yeah, so that's a lot of what I've read is that the Flyers made a number of attempts to talk to him. They traveled to see him multiple times, and he just, just straight up ignored them. The biggest one. Responsive. So this all came to a head this past um, past Monday night where the trade happened. But Keith Jones and Danny Breer, the president of hockey operations, Keith Jones, and then Danny Breer, the GM, they traveled to Sweden for the World Juniors. That's where they were hosted this year to go and like see Gautier play try and talk to him, like, present, like, the organization's plans for him and everything moving forward and what they want to do as an organization as a whole. And it's not like we're traveling from Philadelphia to New York, Brian. We're traveling from Philadelphia to Sweden. That's a long flight. And he still turned them down and wouldn't say, wouldn't meet with them, wouldn't hear them out. Like, what, what gives you that right to say, I don't want to meet with you? Like, what have you earned to do that? Like, yeah, you were drafted fifth overall, but that's it. That means nothing. How many guys have we seen drafted early in drafts in every league that just do not pan out. Like, you have no... I mean, obviously, he had some say. Like, they shipped him out, and he got his wish. Now he's an Anaheim Duck, just what every young kid wants to be growing up. Go Ducks. Um, Now, to me, like... (laughs) And then, like, he has yet to say, like, his main reason as to why he would not want... Why he didn't want to play for the Flyers. There's some speculation out there. There's been rumors. The one rumor that really took off was that Kevin Hayes, former Philadelphia Flyer, was involved and, like, steered him away from the organization. And then he came out. Kevin Hayes, like, obviously denied it. You're not going to come out and say, yeah, I told Cutter to find another team. Right. And then I think the best part about it, at least the Kevin Hayes, like, rumor situation was, um, it was Anthony Sanfilippo, a uh, Flyers beat reporter like reported that Monday night while I was going down. John Tortorella after the Flyers game last night asked if that reporter was <laughs> in attendance at the press conference and he just absolutely laid into him. He's like, dude, that's BS. I don't know where you got your sources. I don't know where you got that information. That's BS. Kevin's a great guy. Just because Kevin and I, as in Kevin Hayes, because yeah. the issue was Kevin Hayes was a Philadelphia Flyer. He... Um, him and John Tortorella got into it last year. They didn't see eye to eye on what Kevin thought he was as a player anymore. 
Kevin was a professional, stuck it out for the season, and then he was traded to the St. Louis Blues as past offseason over the summer. So, Torts being, you know, a transparent guy himself. Yeah, I mean, not afraid to beat her on the bush. No, he gets straight to the point, and he'll, he, you know exactly where you stand with Torts. He laid into this reporter and just said, you know, Kevin's a great guy. Like, I have nothing but respect for Kevin. But we just didn't see eye to eye on his play and, like, what he was as a player. Kevin thought he was still a center. Torch was like, I think you're better off at wing. I mean, tough to say. Hayes had a lot of, uh, like, groin injuries and stuff that really set him back and sapped him of his speed the past couple seasons. But all in all, it's like, man, I don't know where you think you, like, have the gall to, like, say this. Like, the Philadelphia Flyers are one of the most, like, respected organizations in hockey around the league. Like, to turn down meetings with Patrick Sharp, former Stanley Cup champion, John LeClaire, former NHL great, Keith Jones, former NHL great, and knows a lot of people around the league and is one of the most respected people in the game. Sure. And then Danny Breer. Brian, you know him from your time as a Buffalo Sabres. Big like, Danny Breer fan. It's not like we're just talking random guys off the street, the fans <laughs> yeah. that want to talk to you and like, hey, Cutter, like make sure you like play with the Flyers. It's You're turning down people that are well-respected in the game and hold a lot of weight around the league. Well, I find it interesting that you bring up the Danny Breer point because uh, something that I had read was that there, I mean, like, of course, there's a million rumors following around this because there's not really a definitive story. Part of it is that he supposedly didn't want to come to an organization with a rookie GM and like the coaching and stuff because Tortorella is known for being very hard on his players. Um, I mean, but the thing is, if you're going to have a rookie GM, you could do a lot worse than Danny Breer. Danny Breer is a very intelligent guy, knows the game of hockey very well. I think he's going to be very good um, in the front office for the yeah, Flyers. I can't wait for him, too. Um, I think, and then, the, but then there was another point of conversation out there that I guess it sounds like the Flyers basically sounds like they told them that he was going to start in the minors or they were going to stash him back in college or whatever for so a year. Here's the thing, then I saw, I saw this one, too, but you'll know better than I will. Boston College's head coach suggested he come back for a sophomore season. It wasn't even that, like, the Flyers are, oh, you need to come back. You need to go to college for another year of, like, experience and, like, building your body up to play with NHL players. They were ready to bring him in this offseason and have him compete for a job opening night for the 2023-2024 season. But Boston College's coach was like, no, you should come back for another season. Oh, interesting. I thought it was a conversation of him not getting a spot on the Flyers roster, like it's opening day roster. So it wasn't going to be handed to him. Yeah, I mean, as it shouldn't, I mean, it shouldn't So like be. he had to come in and earn it, but like if he does come in and doesn't earn it, he can't go back to college because he then would have signed his entry-level contract, and once you do that, you can't return to play in the NCAA. Yeah, so I per- particularly don't care for the Flyers, um, and that's nothing to do with, I mean, that has to just do with some really uh, intense back-and-forth matchups between the Flyers and my Sabres growing up. Uh, but... You know, I don't wish any ill will or anything on Cutter Gauthier, but I hope his career flounders and he does not um, does not make it anywhere near where he thinks he is because he really clearly thinks he's uh He thinks he's better than he is. Yeah, for sure. So there's a um, piece from Derek Lee. He's a Anaheim Ducks-like beat writer. Uh, there's a quote in here. Maybe kind of gives a reason as to why Cutter left, but it's still very vague. So uh, Cutter was quoted to say, it wasn't one specific reason why I asked for a trade. It was multiple reoccurring issue that I had seen over the past year and a half, two years of being under the Flyers organization. It kind of hit me all at once thinking, I can't move forward with this. and I really step up for myself and see what's best for my future. And that's what I did. 
Sounds like a cop out. I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, not your problem anymore. You guys got a pretty, I mean, a very solid defensive uh, young defenseman in Drysdale. Yes, very excited Um, about Drysdale. That was the other, so that was the other missing piece that the Flyers were, um, did not have in their pipeline for prospects was a right-handed defenseman. Not necessarily right-handed, but just a potential like number one defenseman. And the right-handed definitely adds to the value, uh, the increasing value valuableness of i don't know if that's a word or not i'm trying to get there but value yeah value there you go value (laughs) sounds better make it simple keep it simple stupid um the increased value of drysdale because he's right-handed those are very coveted players in the nhl it seems like everybody's left-handed but this upcoming draft in the 2024 draft was full of like potential top defensemen so it's like that's the only downfall. Like, yeah, you just got a potential top defenseman, 21 years old. He's been in the league a couple of years, probably was struggling on the Ducks because of the fact that they're just not a good team. And he spent a lot of last year, or was it earlier this year hurt? Last year he was hurt. He missed a lot of the season towards Labrum and then had missed a handful of games this year because of a ongoing injury as well. Sure. So you get that. That bodes well. Check that one off the list for things needed in the Flyers prospect pipeline. But now you're missing that. Potential number one center, scoring winger. Funny thing is, Cutter viewed himself as a center and wanted to play center, I believe. But the Flyers viewed him as a left winger. They wanted him to play center as well, though. But before, or not before, like after the trade was made, Danny Breer only referenced him as a left winger. That's why Kind of just like a ha. Little little poke at him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see him come back and play his first game in Philly. I'll be curious to see what happens. I can't wait to go to that game next year and just boo him. Yeah, I plan on. I hope to go. <laughs> It'll probably be a pretty expensive ticket because of the situation. I loved how the city, like all the fans that were down there last night for Jamie Drysdale's first game during introductions, he got very loud cheers. And then, like whenever he was touching the puck, there was a lot of loud cheers. So oh, really? I didn't. <laughs> I might I have to get myself that. a Jamie Drysdale jersey. That'd be pretty cool. I think you know, it's uh, in the end, you know, obviously it sucks to give up on a you know potentially elite elite prospect. But you brought back uh, some pretty serious value in Drysdale, and you said a second-round pick, right? Yeah, second-round pick in the 2025 I mean, that, NHL draft. That could be solid. So interesting to see what happens. Uh, Cutter, Cutter Gauthier can suck it. Um, yeah, see you, bud. And now uh, only a little bit, close to about an hour into this uh, this podcast here. Tell us, talk some sports history. Let's do it. So uh, what, what, what was our time period again for this week? Uh, we had January 7th to January 13th. Sure, and since we spent so much time and everything else I think where you said we'll just do uh do one story each tonight yeah let's keep it quick keep it short sure um, brian if you don't mind i'll kick it off tonight please do all right we're gonna go back to january 11th 2004 um somehow this one is an eagle story one of the more famous plays in eagles history outside of the philly special um happened on this day it's known as fourth and 26 so the eagles they fall behind 14 nothing in the force in the first quarter to the green bay packers and then thanks to an enormous goal line stand at the end of the first half, kept the Eagles in the game as they trailed 14-7. to um, On the first play of the first fourth quarter, McNabb eluded several Packers defenders and fired a bullet over the middle to Todd Pinkston for the tying touchdown. Uh, infamous announcer Chris Collinsworth called it one of the best plays he's ever seen a quarterback ever make. Gross that Collinsworth, Collinsworth is still around. <laughs> around yeah, isn't that wild? Games. I can't 20 years ago. So a Packer field goal put Green Bay up 17-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter, and the Eagles began a late drive that would ultimately go down as the signature drive of McNabb's career. Um, following an incompletion on first down, he's then sacked uh, for a loss of 16 yards on second down. 
and incomplete follow, incompletion follows on third down. So the Eagles are facing fourth and 26 with one minute and 12 seconds to play in the game. A lot of people forget this, but um, the Eagles snapped the ball as the play clock expired, or that would have made it a fourth and 31 instead. So what happens next? I don't many. I don't believe many people saw coming as McNabb completed a pass to wide receiver Freddie Mitchell to secure a first down. Fred X. Uh, David Akers would then manage to hit a field goal to tie the game back up at 17 seconds or at 17 apiece as time expired. Uh, the Eagles would go on to then win the game in overtime, again behind the leg of Akers as he hit a 31-yard field goal to secure the win. That's pretty wild. I don't particularly personally remember that play. Um, just, I mean, we were 11 at the time. Yeah, I um, remember it. I mean, and especially if you go back and like watch the highlights, like seeing TV 20 years ago, it's like so grainy and like, you can barely like tell what's going on. Well, it's it's like, funny how do we watch TV then? It's funny when you say 2004, you're like, that's not that long ago. And now you're like, oh, that's actually 20 years ago now. So yeah, that's wild. It's 20 the 20th anniversary of 4th and 26. I mean, there was some really, that was really some really fun Eagles teams in that uh, that era. So Yeah, three straight NFC championship losses. That was fun. Yeah, Before that, finally beating the Atlanta Falcons. That does hurt. I actually know. I that's few, what spurned my Eagles fandom as a young kid. Uh, that's fair. I know a few people um, from growing up back home that grew up as Eagles fans uh, or became fans of them at a young age. I would imagine because of that period. I mean, we were, like we said, 11 years old at the time. Um, McNabb and, and that whole crew really, uh, I can see how that would be appealing to a kid, especially because the Bills were horrendous at the time. So it's, it was not, I mean, I don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun watching those teams, but like after just being let down for four straight seasons, you lose three straight NFC championship games. And then you lose in the Super Bowl to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. It yeah. was like, as an 11, 12-year-old kid, you're just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Gives you a lot of respect for the Bills fans that stuck it out through four Super Bowl losses, huh? Yeah, good for, <laughs> good for them. I thankfully didn't have to, to sit through that. but I mean, at least as an older like individual like we are now, like I could at least like rationalize it. But as like someone sure. who's like 10 years old, you're like, you know what's going to happen. They're going to lose again. Why bother watching it? Why yeah. set yourself up for disappointment? Oh, that's fair. And then now you sit you sit down and watch it because you think, you know, know anything can happen. And then you watch the things happen that you kind of anticipated, and then you are disappointed and crushed. And, and you wish you were your 10-year-old self again and just didn't care. Yeah, just crawl into the fetal position and wait till next year. All right, anything else you want to add on the 4th and 26? Hopefully we don't have a fourth and twenty-six uh, type of play this <laughs> that is needed well, this upcoming week. I mean, I would like do. it to happen if it does occur, but hopefully it's not needed. Yeah, that's for sure. That would be uh, it's, those aren't the probability of completing that play and getting, getting that first down is probably incredibly low. I can't imagine the odds were very high on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure they even had the odds ready to go at that Next point. Next gen stats were not around back then. <laughs> oh man, too funny. All right, Tom, I'm going to take us back to January twelfth, nineteen ninety-two. Oh, what do you got for And me? on this day, uh, in the town or maybe city of Troy, Alabama, we witnessed the highest scoring game in NC basketball, high scoring basketball game in NCAA history. As the Troy State Trojans would defeat the DeVry Hoyas two fifty two hundred and fifty six to one hundred and forty nine. DeVry University? Yeah, so, so first and foremost, we're going to start there. Yes, this is the DeVry University that we are all familiar with uh, from their TV commercials. That is largely an online institution. They do have apparently some physical locations, but at this point they did have sport a sports team. Now, Troy State is the Troy University that you may be familiar with, uh, alma mater of Demarcus Ware and a few other NFL uh, NFL players. 
Um, but yeah, so the game went on to be at the time Troy State. Troy State was a Division two team, so this was not a D one game. They were a D two team, and then DeVry University was an NAIA D two, so they're not even part of the NCAA. Um, DeVry University came into this game with seven players. <laughs> um, Impressive to put up 149 points for seven players. Yeah, not too shabby. So the reason, and there's actually a very valid reason as why that happened. Quick math: 21 points per player. It's not bad. Yeah, not yeah, not too I mean, shabby. I'm sure somebody else put up like 50, and someone probably didn't score as many points. But hey, you know what? Or they just all scored 21 points because nice and equal. Yeah, good um, math. So this was the uh, Troy State's second to last year as a D2 school before transitioning to Division One. They were led by a head coach by the name of Don Maestri, whose unconventional offense-oriented system led to incredibly high-scoring games that season. Uh, they Troy State led all of D2 with 121 points per game scoring average. They also gave up 178 per game because of the way they played. So they attempted an NCAA record 1,303 three-pointers in 91-92. Now that number might not be as staggering these days because the game has changed, but back then it was not nearly... Yeah, that's wild. It was more like have your big man on the block and oh yeah, play inside and out, not outside and run and gun and space and pace. Yeah, so they shot 1,300 threes, making 444 of them on the season. Um, so the reason that this score ended up being the way it was is so the coach Maestri's philosophy was to have his team attempt to steal the ball on every single possession of the game. And if they missed the steal, they would just allow the opponent to score as long as they could turn and fly back up the court and score themselves. So, so he substituted players regularly because he knew that he really turned his teams really turned basketball games into track meets. Um, and it allowed them to consistently pursue the other team, get steals on the defensive end, fire up the uh, fire down to the offensive end. And he didn't consider any shot to be a bad shot. Shoot the ball, get it in and get back. The quicker the attempt, the better. Sounds like this team was way ahead of their time. Yeah, so I remember, you know, in the NBA there, there was uh, the, the seven-second offense. Um, who was that? The Suns, I believe, with Steve Nash. They yeah, so like, Mike D'Antoni as head coach. Yes. Yeah, so Mark Stoudemire. All about getting the ball down quick and scoring. Um, I don't think they were trying to steal everything on the on the defensive end. Uh, but at halftime, the Troy State Trojans led by 70 points, 123 to 53. Um, now, before we get into the second half, sure. theoretically that makes sense, though, because – the quicker you can shoot the ball, the more attempts you're going to have. The more attempts you have, the more likely you're going to score points, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just it's all about doing it in volume. It's a numbers game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, On to the second half. Yeah, so le- heading into this matchup, uh, DeVry, University of Atlanta, was they were 3-15, and 15, um, and the Trojans were 12-3. and three. They, Like I said, they were at NAIA, uh, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics D2 School. Uh, and they struggled to win against teams at their own level, let alone the a ridiculous high-octane offense like this. Uh, the previous season, Troy actually had set the NCAA record for points in a game with 187, also doing it against DeVry. Um, this might be why DeVry has gone even further online. I mean, they wouldn't have been that online. It was 92. Um, maybe this is why they went online because just this was so embarrassing. Yeah, um, I mean, what other choice do you have? You can't keep trying guys yeah. out there to play in games like this. Yeah, like I said, they... Came out with seven players. I mean, you and I both play basketball. It can be a lot to try to run a whole game if you're short, short-handed. Um, yeah, so, imagine if someone got into foul trouble, too. Yeah, so there's no <laughs> chance to really rest or catch your breath. Um, after the tip-off leading into the game, Troy State, it took Troy State a full minute to score their first basket. Um, one of their players actually jokingly said it was a little touch-and-go there early. Um, 
they had only 15 points after the first three minutes of the game. And then it turned into this ridiculous back and forth. Um, they had a hundred points with three minutes and 14 seconds left in the first half. Uh, it just was, it's kind of nuts to think that this happened. Um, within the first three minutes of the second half, the Trojans scored 28 point, uh, 26 points had already accumulated 149 overall with 17 minutes remaining. It was not until 6.35 in the second half that Troy State scored their first points of the half that were not three-pointers or dunks. So, so she's going on shooting threes. The baseline and, jumper finally scores. Yeah. So with 10 minutes remaining, uh, a player by the name of Chris Grisham, uh, his three-pointer gave Troy 189, breeding their previous NCAA record of 187. With 7.53 left to go in the game, they had surpassed the 200-point mark, becoming the first and only team in college basketball history to surpass that threshold. And the scoreboard was not built to display 200-plus points, and so when the moment occurred, it did not, did not display the numbers correctly. The So the scoreboard operator started over at zero. So uh, they scored 135 points in the second half, and their 33-pointers in the second half was higher than the NCAA all-time full game record of 25 that they had previously set themselves. They actually made 51 total threes in that game, uh, which more than doubled the, the record at the time and attempted 109 three-pointers. Those are two records that will never be broken. You are incorrect, though. The 109 three-pointer attempt... A point okay, of 109 three-pointer attempts I could see, but I don't think actually, the amount of made three-pointers will ever be broken. Yeah, so the article I found says that the 109 three-point attempts record stood for 31 seasons before being broken in December of 2022. I don't have context on who did it, um, but I mean, either way, that's ridiculous. Well, I think there was another team recently that has kind of formulated the same type of offensive approach and just chucking up as many three pointers as possible. I'm forgetting what school it is. There was the one real small school a few years back. I believe it was Grinnell college, Grinnell college where the coach would occasionally be like, all right, everybody pass to this guy all game and see what he can do. And I think he ended up scoring 138 points. It was by himself. Um, I'm not sure I scored 138 points in my entire varsity career. I probably didn't, honestly. No. Um, so, um, it ended up being just a ridiculous game. For the game, 10 of the 11 Troy State players scored in double figures. Um, yeah, Grinnell by, College. They put up 111 three-point shots. There it is. All right. So, made, it is them. Made 40. Wow. All right. There we go. Sign me up for your sports trivia team because I got that one right. Um, ding, 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 ding. So, he scored 41 points on 16 for 26 shooting. The only player to not score in double figures was Andy Davis. He made the game's first basket, and that was the only one he made for the whole game. Damn, Andy, what you doing, boy? All right. 8 of the 11 Trojans scored at least 20 points, and f- of those, five scored at least 29. There's only one triple-double, though, in the game. Uh, 29 points, 13 boards, 11 assists. One of the many statistical anomalies to occur in this high-scoring game was that, the ol- that only three total free throws were attempted between the teams. Wow. And they were all for Troy. Um, one that guy... That is wild. Uh, <laughs> based on... Uh, oh my! Based on the style of play, the uh, Troy State ended up with 44 steals on the day. One player, Clayton Jones for DeVry, had 19 of those 44 turnovers by himself. Um, meanwhile, DeVry did have a player, Dartez Daniel, Daniel, that scored 42 points on 20 for 30 shooting. So it looks like Dartez might have been playing at the wrong level. Yeah, good player. But yeah, so that is the story of the most ridiculous game in the history of college basketball. Troy State Trojans, 258. DeVry Hoyas, 140. What's crazy is like 258 is a score in a basketball game. That'd be like a really, really good game of bowling. Yeah, I'd be happy with that one. <laughs> I think I've had 258 on Monday night. Did you? I think so. There we go. 
If you guys, if you don't know this about Tom, he's uh, really great at leisure activities. The man is a phenomenal bowler. I'm sorry, I shot 257. Oh, jeez. And also a phenomenal liar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all about that. If I struck on my last ball in the last game, it would have been 258, but I got a nine count, so that's oh, on me. Oh, jeez, pathetic. Sorry, guys. I mean, great. Shame. Yeah. Bad shame, night. shame. Bad night at the lanes. Uh, yeah, so there was a number of records broken in that game. Um, just completely absurd. I would love to go. I want to look online and see if there's any uh, any footage from that because I'm curious to see um, just exactly where, what this pace looked like, how fr- frenetic this must have been. Yeah, right. Running around. But, yeah, so that is the story of Troy State beating up on DeVry University to the point where DeVry University became almost solely an online campus. I mean, what was the <laughs> what was the story a couple weeks ago I talked about? It was, like, Tennessee Temple, I think, like, 11-7 to 7 win. Like, yeah, yeah. They held on the ball for, like, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Just, I'd much rather watch this 258 game than the 11-7. to 7. Oh, yeah, for sure. I fully agree. Uh, <laughs> it's just a... Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, I played a lot of basketball. I've been watched a lot of basketball. I've never seen anything even close to this. Um, but yeah, just kind of wild and uh, a fun little story. Uh, imagine that on social media today. That'd be that'd be quite the story. Uh, be popping off. I mean, there has been on the you know on the women's side of basketball. Yeah, Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes are sure. lighting it up. Well, did you see? Um, I don't remember what school it was, but they played like some random Bible college out of nowhere, Minnesota. Yeah, wasn't it like a high oh, 100 Grambling point score State to like ten or something? Yeah, they outscored them by one hundred and twenty something points. Um, just, uh, just absolutely asinine. Um, I don't. I understand like wanting a warm up game a little bit. Like back when I was in school, I remember I, you know, I'm a. Well, I can't say really alumni. I didn't technically graduate from there. I transferred out, but I went to Slippery Rock University in northern Pittsburgh for four years. They got to play the men's basketball team played early season games at Pitt the one year. They played it at Michigan. Um, obviously, warm up games they lost by like forty points. Um, but yeah, it's great. better talent than NAIA D two. You don't Slip realize how, D2. how good those guys are. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing um, to see it in person. Uh, so Grambling State University women's team they beat the College of Biblical Studies one fifty nine to eighteen. So one hundred and forty one point. Yep, setting a record for the most significant victory margin in Division One women's. Do you basketball not like kind of start to feel bad at some point though? Like, yeah, like you, if the starters <laughs> are playing in the second half, like the coach has a problem. Like, you just sit them. They don't need to keep playing. Let the six through ten and further down the bench players get in the game. Even like your six, seven, eight players who would normally seem like see regular time throughout the season, like. Don't let them play either. Just like let the walk-ons play. Like, yeah, you don't. Yeah. I think you're gonna win. I think it's okay. Put a jersey on the assistant coach. Let her get out there. Um, there was another one I saw. Where there, was, there was a men's game, which was similar conversation, where it was like a Bible school or some really small school that was used as a warm-up game to start the season. Got absolutely blown out. I saw a brief clip of it. I mean, they looked like a like a JV team at like a high school JV team at best. I mean, it was really sloppy, really ugly. And they got their brakes blown off of them too, but it's a. Uh, and I'm sure they're probably that poor of like a team, like in their own like conference or D two, D three, wherever they play. Yeah. The meanwhile, you're agreeing. I understand agreeing to go make, play those games because they're probably getting paid pretty decent money as a school to do it. Yeah, I'll say the school's program. getting paid pretty well about yeah. it. The players aren't. Yeah, I don't think the uh, Biv- College of Biblical Studies has many NIL deals coming in these days. No, I don't think so. <laughs> if they are offering, I, I still got some years of eligibility left. Yeah, I think I technically, I, I technically do as well. 
to play women's basketball. I'll go back and get a master's. <laughs> Grambling State. Yeah, Tom, you and I would fit in really well at the HBCU that is Grambling State. On oh, the women's team. <laughs> On the women's basketball team. Let's Two go. big bearded white dudes signing up for Grambling State women's basketball. I think it would be, that's like a 1990s comedy movie that you would have seen. They wouldn't touch that today, but like a Juana Man situation. If you've never seen that movie, I don't know if you want to watch it. Yeah, have fun. Enjoy it. Are, are you familiar with it? I am. I've seen like bits and parts. Right. I know the storyline, so I know what you're talking about. It's not, it's not very good, but no, he gets us, he gets banned by like the NBA, so he pretends to be he pretends to be a woman to play in the WNBA, and it's a oh god, it's bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Just take the cliff notes and uh, move on. Yeah. So on that note, I know we did say we were going to talk a little bit about the coaching carousel, but I think we can touch on that in a couple of weeks as. Uh, we also kind of have touched on it throughout out. the episode. A little bit. Like, Vrabel got let go. I Belichick mean, Belichick, got let go. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, I think, was the one, Seattle. the shocking one. Because he yeah. said he wanted to stick around and coach, but then Seattle decided to go a different route. Different yeah, route. they claim it was amicable, and they chose to do it. They they all agreed to it, but I don't think he – I highly doubt he had a choice. Yeah, they forced his way. Uh, forced him out of And there. then I think really the biggest news, in my opinion, out of the world of football comes from the college world. For as, sure, Nick Saban. Nick Saban hang, is hanging it up. After an incredible career at Alabama, dude was a train wreck in the NFL, but went to Alabama, hit his stride, and was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, his pipeline of uh, NFL talent that came out under him is just next level um, dominance. I mean, you think college football, you think Alabama. Yeah, I mean, he had an insane resume at Alabama. Six-time national champion, nine-time SEC champion, a record over 17 seasons of 206-29. and 29. Oh my! Wow. Now, I mean, we can touch on like what he did for the school as well. Like, since he arrived in 07, Alabama's enrollment increased from twenty five to forty thousand students a year. Wow, that's a sixty percent jump compared to a ten percent national average. Um, so they went from majority of its student body considering consisting of in state students to majority now being from out of state. Okay, and that's important because students out of state pay three times more in tuition compared to oh, in geez. state. So Alabama paid him $130 million over 16 seasons, but you could argue that he was worth more than, you know, probably a billion because it's 32000 a year for out-of-state students compared to 11000 in-state. Wow. So if you do 32000 times the 15000 student increase, I mean, that's... Yeah, it uh, adds up quickly. Wow. That's so Alabama impressive. Chancellor Robert Witt said, Nick Saban is the best investment this university has ever made. Hard to argue that one. Yeah. And so, you know, I see no, this can be a conversation conversation for another day, but you hear people complaining about college football coaches making this kind of money they do and this and that. But you take into account the effects outside of football. A lot of times it is going to make sense and it is a worthy investment as Alabama showed. Um, I'm curious to see what happens because there's already been a number of decommitments from Alabama with that news. When that news came out, they lost the top wide receiver in the high school class, I believe, Ryan Williams. Um, and I'm sure you're going to see more go out the door. If I was a recruit, though, I probably I would wait to see who's named coach at Alabama. Yeah, because I feel like it's a pretty uh, prestigious job. Oh yeah, like, but I'm I'm curious to see what it, how much of it is going to have been saving, and you know, where somebody else can slide in and continue the juggernaut that they were. Um, I don't think it'd be bad for college football to see them kind of fall off for a few years and let some other teams climb up. I mean, granted, we did just watch a Michigan-Washington. Well, I didn't watch it, but the, the, country, I did. the country did. Uh, I actually forgot it was even on. National championship game. I mean, it was good up until the fact that Michael Penix could not hit receivers that were wide open. He just did not look the same as he did when he played against Texas. Like, Texas, he was dropping dimes in the semifinal game, and... They played very well against Texas. Definitely hurt his draft stock a bit from what I heard just because. I would, I would say so because it 
I mean, maybe the lights were too bright. I don't know. Maybe there's more to it that we're not aware of, but it just did not seem like he was comfortable all game. Michigan, I mean, they don't get me wrong, they have a very good defense, but like he was just missing guys that were open and like throws that he was making all season long. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I watched all of Washington's games and I'm a Michael Penix. Avid Washington Huskies fan. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right, I'm a closet Washington Huskies fan. You got me. That's why I'm not an Eagles fan as much. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, oh, Penix, yeah, I mean he just from what I saw in the one game watching against Texas, he looked like a it was a night and day difference. Like if you told me that was the same quarterback because I was from outer space, I wouldn't have believed you. you yeah, know what I mean, like he just he struggled big time in the championship game, and Washington defense showed up. They gave the offense a chance to win the game for them, and they just didn't. And then finally, the defense broke, and Michigan put up a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter and it sealed seems. it. Sealed the victory. Yeah, so, I mean, for Jim Harbaugh to end on a national championship, I think he'll be an NFL coach this upcoming season. Uh, you know, I think you're right. I'll be curious to see where, and I I love the NFL. I love off-seasons in every sport, weirdly enough, because there's a lot of change, a lot of turnover. I, I, as much as I love the sport, I do love seeing what happens. There's some going to be some big names on the market in the NFL, uh, some pretty lucrative-looking jobs out there, and some big names to get out there. Uh, I'll be curious to see where we go. Tom, maybe we'll throw some predictions out there next week or something about uh, who go, who might end up where. Yeah, there's some rumors already circling that a couple playoff teams, I think, were supported by either Diana Rossini or Justina uh, Anderson, saying that teams, as in plural, are who are in the playoffs are interested in Bill Belichick, no matter like what happens. So that will be quite interesting to see <laughs> oh. where the offseason takes us here in the land of the NFL. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. Uh like I said, my only thing that my only gut feeling is Mike Vrabel ending up in New England. But other than that, that well, one makes too much sense. It does. It's almost too easy. Uh, but I guess we'll see. You know, I somebody a buddy of mine threw out maybe Ohio State. He's an Ohio State alum. He was their de- defensive coordinator before the Titans hired him. Yeah, I guess if they let go of Ryan Day. Yeah, possible. So, right? but, or or he goes and takes the D, a DC role or something, takes a year off and get, before getting back to head coach. I don't know. I think he's going to be too sought after in, in the pros to go. Yeah, he'll get to too much money thrown at him to go back to college. All right, but we'll see next week. Since uh, and I think this will wrap it up for us here here this week. Thank you again for checking us out. Uh, as usual, follow us on all of our social media, Going Back Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is definitely the most active, so check us out there. Tom is great about dropping a fun fact every day. Interact with us on our socials. Let us know what you're thinking, what you want to hear. And, uh, yeah, we, we'd love to hear from you and appreciate you guys checking us out for yet another week. Tom, you got anything for us before we head out? Um, go Birds. Um, go Bills. Peace. <laughs> have, a good, have a good one. We'll see you next week.